welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today as always with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, it's great to be here. We have some really important topics on the agenda today. Yes, we do. We're going to talk about critical race theory from a white ally's perspective. Very serious and very important topic. But let's begin by identifying some of the challenges that we're facing as human beings. There is so much anger and rage in our country and in our world today. It's been going on for years, but now it seems to be escalating. It seems that any topic that might be up for discussion in politics, education, the economy, generates contentiousness and deep-seated anger. Not only does there seem to be very little agreement about any of these issues, but there's such volatile disagreement that it seems dangerous and threatening. I know. People around the world are rioting over the COVID issue. They're angry about voting rights, inflation, and even about who won the 2020 election. And it's not just anger. It's a volatility and an intensity that just seems out of proportion to what the issues are. It also seems like there's a lack of willingness to have conversations with those who have opposing points of view. When you look at social media, it becomes obvious that people are being encouraged to take sides against one another, using violent language to call each other names and put each other down. Yes, and one of the greatest challenges we face now, I believe, is the disinformation that's being spread around through all of that hate speech. And the worst part is that Neither side seems to ever learn anything or or get more information or have more understanding. The fact is that there are ways to disagree, even vehemently, with respect. In the nonviolent tradition, we're able to state our point of view clearly and also listen to the other person's point of view. Ideally, we become open to learning new ideas from our opponents and having our opponents understand our points of view in new and more expanded ways. We don't attack our opponents, nor do we personalize the debate in any way. In true nonviolent communication, it's the issues that gain center stage, and most importantly, the goal for both sides should be to come to a mutual understanding and the possibility of new and different ways of coming together for the benefit of all concerned. I believe that this is what Get Off Your Affirmation is really about. It's about looking at the human condition in deeper, more rational, and more compassionate ways, and coming up with new methods and ideas for taking action for greater healing and inner peace. And, of course, the emphasis is on taking So our goal today is to begin discussing current issues that are causing so much conflict and misunderstanding and do our best to clarify those issues in a clear and balanced way so that we can have a reasonable grasp on some of these complex issues and be able to take action based on accurate information. So today we're going to do an overview on critical race theory to find out exactly what it is and why there's so much controversy around it. We're going to take some information from Education Week magazine, specifically an article by Stephen Sawchuk called What is Critical Race Theory and Why Is It Under Attack? Well, 
Critical race theory is an academic concept that's more than 40 years old. The basic idea is that racism is not just the product of individual bias or prejudice, but it's also something that's been embedded in legal systems and policies for a very long time. One example of this is in the 1930s when government officials determined which areas seemed to be poor financial risks, more often than not, based on the racial composition of its inhabitants. As a result, banks refused to offer mortgages to black people in those areas. Today, there are policies and zoning laws where affordable, multifamily housing, which would help minority communities, are not allowed to be built in wealthier neighborhoods with single-family homes, which are more likely to be white neighborhoods. It's this type of activity that educators and sociologists have been looking into that seems to point to a need for reform in school systems, voting rights, and the justice system, just to name a few. Now, critics of this idea, most of them conservative, have a problem with this concept because they believe that teaching these ideas to children divides people into oppressed and oppressor groups. They believe that to acknowledge racial inequality would be to place blame on white people and to label all whites as racist. Also, they don't want their children feeling guilty for being responsible for racial discrimination. But is that the way it has to be? Why can't we see this issue from another perspective? As I understand it, the only way we can ever gain perspective on any concept and particularly racism in our country, is to look carefully at history. If we take a look at the facts, we will see clear evidence of white supremacy from the very beginning of the formation of our country. It's not a system that was put into practice by our founding fathers, but a lifestyle that could be found throughout Europe. It was a cruel practice, but a common one. Right. It was accepted during that time in history for wealthy people to own slaves. The colonial empires at that time, including France and England and Poland, frequently participated in the capture and sale and enforced servitude that was all a part of the slave trade. In 1619, the Portuguese were the first to capture and transport African people across the Atlantic. When the first colonists arrived in Virginia, they had slaves with them. And for the next nearly 200 years, more slaves would be routinely brought from Africa. This is a very sad and painful part of our history. Unfortunately, to add to the situation, even after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 and the Reconstruction, Jim Crow laws were enacted that prevented black people from having their civil rights and enforced segregation in the South. These laws were in practice to the mid-20th century when the Jim Crow laws were finally repealed. But there are elements of Jim Crow that continue to this day. This is what many conservatives would deny. This is what they refuse to take responsibility for. Now, here's the way I see it. I am willing to admit that my ancestors were probably slave owners. Now, while I believe this is a horrible thing, I also understand that this was the norm for white people in this country at that time. I accept the fact that my ancestors probably engaged in this horrific practice. But 
rather than feeling guilty or going into denial or feeling shame or dismissing that part of our history, I feel tremendous sorrow that slavery had to take place, and I'm committed to doing everything I can to ensure that black people have equal rights and are not discriminated against in any way. Of course, while so much has been done to abolish Jim Crow laws, there is still so much progress that needs to be made, specifically in voting rights and criminal justice, bringing black history into our schools, and creating awareness among white people that we're still carrying some of those old ideas with us that affect the way we think and even the way we vote. Yes, this is what's so important. As a white ally, I need to look inside myself and ask, How often have I given in to my unconscious bias of believing that white culture is the best culture for everyone? Now, I'm not going to take responsibility for inventing that idea. I was raised with it, as most white people were. Even those of us who were raised in progressive, compassionate households have this unconscious bias because those beliefs are endemic in our society. This is the change I want to be part of. Rather than feeling guilty or defensive and constantly defending myself by saying, I'm not a racist, I'm willing to admit that I have been part of a society that has been unaware of the subtleties of racism and wake up to new levels of inclusion and understanding. Now, I just want to take a moment to read a couple of quotes from the article, What is Critical Race Theory and Why Is It Under Attack? by Stephen Sawchuck. He states, critical race theory is not a synonym for culturally relevant teaching, which emerged in the 1990s. This teaching approach seeks to affirm students' ethnic and racial backgrounds and is intellectually rigorous, but it's related in that one of its aims is to help students identify and critique the causes of social inequality in their own lives. Yeah, I can relate to that. I definitely, in my Montessori experience, had a lot of culturally relevant teaching. Um, I learned so much about cultures from all around the world, uh, and always in a way where they really stress the respect, the honoring different traditions, without necessarily placing one above the other. I know that was so beautiful, the way you and your Montessori friends just enjoyed so much learning about the different cultures and tasting the foods and hearing the stories, a beautiful, powerful experience. But critical race theory brings up some added challenges. And so I'm going to share another quote by Stephen Sawchuck. He says, Does critical race theory say all white people are racist? Well, the theory says that racism is part of everyday life, so people, white or non-white, who don't intend to be racist can nevertheless make choices that fuel racism. And so, it goes on to say, some critics claim that the theory advocates discriminating against white people in order to achieve equity. I do not believe that this needs to be true. I'm not going to suggest that I've never experienced a bit of that in the 
early 70s, you know, when the civil rights movement was going on and I was marching in the late 60s, there was a sense of anger. And I felt that sense of anger and I didn't like it, but I could understand it. But in truth, critical race theory is not about anger toward whites. It's about including whites in the black experience, something that we've been denied for a very, very long time. And so for white people to become really defensive only exacerbates the problem. It's not about us personally. We didn't hold slaves. We weren't there to make those decisions that hurt others. But because it's in the system, we are a part of it, whether we understand it or not. And we've got to make sure that we own that as white allies and put a stop to that kind of reaction. It can be difficult to process because I don't think anyone wants to admit to times when we've participated in something that contributes to these inherently racist systems. It seems that if we admit that our society is biased toward white people, then we have to admit that we personally are racist. It comes back to this oppositional thinking that says we have to either be a good guy or a bad guy, and we don't want to be a bad guy, of course, because half the time we don't even realize what we're doing, and we want to defend ourselves because we don't feel like racists in the traditional sense, and we don't want to be a part of that problem. I recognize that anxiety in myself. I know. I understand. Me too. But the work that is ours to do goes beyond our personal feelings, which need healing, and needs to become focused on the greater good, which is working toward greater equality and civil rights for our black brothers and sisters. I believe that one of the primary ways this can be accomplished is by including black history in our educational systems as early as possible in the grades and as artfully as possible. It's not about creating division. That has always been there. Division has always been there. And it's not about blame or shame. But it's about learning to embrace our black brothers and sisters, honoring their history, honoring their culture, and being stronger together than we could ever be apart. I want to share one of my favorite quotes. I see no color is not the goal. Here's the goal. I see your color and I honor you. I value your input. I will be educated about your lived experiences. I will work against the racism that harms you. I will do better. I love that quote. It is so powerful. I see no color is not the goal. For so many years, I've had a problem with friends of mine, acquaintances of mine who are white saying, oh, I don't see color. I'm not a racist. I'm not prejudiced. I don't see color. Without realizing even remotely that that invalidates black people because clearly there is a color and that color deserves to be recognized. It deserves to be respected. It deserves to be embraced. If we don't see color, then we're not 
honoring black people and we're missing out on so much that we can never experience without honoring that diversity and being part of growth and evolution together. It's really, really important. It's really, really important. Don't say, I see no color, please. Just say, I see you. I see you the way you want to be seen. And I respect you and I honor you. I want to learn from you. I want to grow with you. I want to be respected by you too. It's a movement toward equality, toward greater wholeness and oneness. I'd like to read a a statement now from Unity Minister Cherie Taylor-Jones. She states, Until the history books are written with an inclusive framework, Black History Month is vital. I remember when I was a little kid, the history I learned was from the dominant narrative worldview, and the dominant narrative worldview simply meant that those who were a success, who were the inventors, the scientists, the explorers, and the warriors, were people who were white. Cherie Taylor-Jones goes on to say, My dream is that Black History Month becomes obsolete as the contributors of all races, all creeds, and all colors are honestly and accurately given a place in history. As this shift happens, we will see more equality in schools, in our economy, and in our communities because there'll be an awakening that each of us is of God, regardless of the color of our skin. Those are beautiful and important words. And now we have the opportunity to experience what life would be like if we were to let go of old prejudices and old ideas and let go of denial and take a look, a really heartfelt look at the history of the black experience in this country. To be able to say, I am so sorry that I was ever a part of this systemic racism. I didn't know. I didn't understand. But now that I do, I am excited about the future. And I do everything I can, particularly those of us who are white allies, to embrace the concept of critical race theory, and to do everything I can to make sure that there's no inherent prejudice, no accusations, no blame, no shame, to move into the culture of nonviolence, to be the peace that I want to see in my world, and to have conversations, to discuss the pros and cons, to remember to treat the children with wisdom and with love when disseminating this information. There are always ways to discuss things that are not riddled with blame and shame. But we must know as white allies that we are unwittingly participating in a culture that we need to awaken to and do our best to transcend. And so, I want to say, happy 
Black History Month. And may we all get off our affirmation and celebrate the reality that black lives matter. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on our Facebook page and on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.